which can be found on page 1113 of the Bibles beside you. So I'm reading from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. This is the word of the Lord. In him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring, created in his own image. We had the capacity, like him, to create, and he gave us the privilege and the joy of sharing in his mission. Every time you work in the garden or paint your house, every time you cook for your children or your, or your spouse or your friends, your family, every time you, um, you have your friends round, every time you do things together, you share in the Missio Dei, the mission of God. You are joining with him in creating beauty and harmony and fellowship. Wonderful. Except that God also gave you a choice. Unlike the stars, unlike the rivers and the trees, unlike the buffalo, you get to choose. Are you in or are you out? Are you joining in with God's mission or are you standing against it? And God freighted our decision with huge significance because the choice that we made then affected everybody and everything else. The buffalo and the trees and the rivers and one day, no doubt, also the stars. For mankind chose out. They wanted to go, go it alone, do it their own way. And we have seen the results. Wars and rumours of wars, greed and violence, destruction and devastation. And so the mission of God changed, it expanded, it developed. It, it became to a rescue mission, to seek and to save and to heal and to bring home. 
That mission runs throughout the rest of the Bible, and it comes to a head, of course, in the story of Jesus. It's a story we'll tell again at Christmas and Easter. Jesus Christ, born to live and to die, and to live again. Jesus, born to save. Here is the mission that God gave to him. Our second reading. The second reading is from Luke chapter 4, reading from verses 14 to 21, and it's on page 1031 of the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this too is God's mission. To give good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom from bondage. To let the blind see to set the oppressed free and to tell the world of God's love for us. Wherever there is wretchedness, wherever there is sickness and suffering, wherever, wherever there is physical or spiritual blindness or poverty, there is God's mission. Wherever you relieve wretchedness or ease suffering or give a hand to those who are in darkness, there you are joining Christ in his mission. People often ask about suffering, don't they? How could a God of love allow suffering? Well, Christians have always known that this was a complicated question and one with a complicated answer. But fundamentally, the answer is that God values something else even more than he values lack of suffering. And that thing that he values is love. Freely given generosity towards another. That's the core of who God is. As we were singing last week, he is a good, good father. That's who he is. And we, we are his beloved children, loved by him. That's who we are. 
And that is more important to God and to us in the end than being free from suffering. God loves us and he is willing to embrace suffering in that love. He sent his one and only beloved son to love us through agony, through death, and on into joyful resurrection. So freedom of choice is crucially important to God and to God's Son. Apparently, it it isn't love if it isn't freely chosen. So the mission of God, to save and to restore, has to include choosing in, which is why there's no magic wand, no simple decision by God that we should all be happy and pain-free. We have to choose to love him. And suffering isn't going to prevent us from doing that. In fact, it will create the context which intensifies our love, our free choice for God. God's mission is to woo us. It is to draw us back to himself. God's attention never wavers from us. He showers us with his blessing Yes, he shocks us with suffering. He grabs our attention with sunsets and with miracles. He watches and he waits for us to notice him. Did you hear those words? God did all this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. For he is not far from any one of us. And when we do, when we do reach out towards him, when we catch a breath and look up and take a faltering step back towards him, then he is out of that door, he is flinging wide that gate, he is running down the road towards us. Strapline for our year of mission is knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. Knowing his love, choosing to love him, That's our first response to his mission to reveal his love to us. But Jesus, the Son, on behalf of the Father, intends more than that. He wants us to join him in proclaiming the love of the Father, to make him known. That's the second half of the answer, the one we're coming to next week. But here are three things that are really worth holding on to in this year of mission. The first is, that that mission is from God. It starts with God. It's God's mission through Jesus, which he has invited us to join in with. We didn't invent it. We didn't initiate it. We aren't responsible for it. God will complete his mission one way or another. The second is that God is already at work. He's already at work in us. He's already at work in our neighbours and our friends and those we may meet this year. You don't begin the work of mission with your friend or your colleague or your neighbour. God is already at work in them, with them. You are just joining in for a while in what God is choosing to do. The third thing is that God has chosen you as and where you are right now to be part of his work. It was there for us in our first reading. For each person, as well as for whole nations, God has marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries 
of their lands, which means that your neighbour is your neighbour at this moment because God has set that boundary for them and for you. He has chosen that they should live next to you and you live next to them right now, today, this year. And your work colleague is your work colleague because God has chosen that. And your carers are your carers because God has chosen them to be so, and so forth. So you are now part of God's mission to those people because God has made that the case. He's already at work in their lives, and you are part of his mission. As long as you're still alive, you're in his mission. Some of us were hearing uh, the other week that uh, a woman who's responsible for mission in her church was, was telling her congregation, telling us that what she used to say to her congregation was this. She used to call out to them, are you still alive? And they would have to shout back, yes, we're still alive. And then she would shout out to them, then God has a job for you today. Should we do that? Okay, can we try that? Are you still alive? Yes, we're still alive. Oh, that's good to know. Then God has a job for you to do today. Amen. This is our year of mission. But only because it's just one year in the endless story and song of God's mission to create and redeem and recreate the world in and through his Son. He is a good, good Father. That's who he is. And we are loved by him. That's who we are. And as we come to know Jesus, we find that we're also part of his way of revealing his love to his world around us, of making him known. Knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. God's mission in us. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. That is who you are. God is good all the time. All the time, you are good. We thank you for your love for us, your goodness towards us, and all the ways in which we discover that in this world. In the creation all around us, in our homes and families and relationships, in forgiveness and in renewal after the mess that we cause of our lives and of this world. You are a good, good Father. That's who you are. And we are loved of you. That's who we are. So in this year of mission, we thank you for making known your love to us and for calling us to make it known to those around us. Amen.